Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait What? Comics Podcast for the Savage Critics website. Welcome to the conclusion of episode 40. In a little over an hour, Graham McMillan and myself answer questions from listeners on Twitter. Topics include perennial favorites like Jack Kirby, Grant Morrison, and new topics like characters we're tired of, characters who've changed over the years, our favorite comics from companies other than Marvel and DC, and much, much more. It's fun, it's free, and we hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. Fight and call while I am going to get some water. Why don't you? <laughs> Sorry about that. I, I seriously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, what can I say? I was very excited. Plus, I felt like, oh, these questions. Like I was the one who told you to put out the call, and now oh, we're going to oh, that. Oh, these questions. Oh. <laughs> oh plus, Russians. plus, there's a couple of them where I'm like, ooh, I'm actually looking forward to answering this one. So okay, I'm going to literally just do them in order. And we can run through them as quickly or not as possible. Fair enough. Ready? Yes. Questions, everyone. Questions. Question one. The Grant Morrison, Barry Sonnenfeld movie. What the fuck? And I <laughs> that was my reaction when I found out about it as well. Well, uh, that was also my reaction. And then I remembered, you know, I think it's awesome that Grant Morrison is going to be adapting that, uh, that two-issue arc from Devil Dinosaur. You know, where uh, the aliens come down I, and double fights. He probably it. will be. <laughs> probably will. <laughs> I, I, I did think Mark Wade's comment was hilarious. Ooh, I didn't. didn't see you, did, you didn't see that he's so happy that Grant Morrison's finally going to be able to write We 300 million? <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty good response. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just kind of, it's weird and crazy. And apart from the fact that I haven't really liked a Barry Sonnenfeld movie in about 12 years. Could be worse. Do you want to know my honest response? Sure. It'll never get made. Graham Morrison has been attached to so many movies that have never been made. Yeah. This, this one will be another one. It will not be made. This movie will not happen. Mm. I'm so happy that everyone's excited about it and that it made news for some reason. It's not It's not going to be made. Well, is Sonnefeld, is, is Barry Sonnefeld signed on to direct? I think he's producing it. Oh, okay. Then you're right. Okay, never mind. I thought he was actually directing. He, he might, he might be. I might be misremembering, but um, but I, it's it's a Grant Morrison script. It's a Grant Morrison science fiction script. Yeah, people might be really excited about it. He'll hand in the script, and then we'll never hear about it again. Apart from when he gets asked questions at San Diego, and he'll be like, "Yeah, I handed it in." People are really excited about it, and then they change their minds, as he has done for every other script he's ever written for Hollywood. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. So, I mean, part of me is kind of like, huh. But, you know, again, I was like... At, at some point, it ended up being a great comic. Double oh, which, which, which reminds me. Um, yes. I read 18 Days, the dynamite hardcover of uh, Morrison's treatment for the um, Mahabharata. Yes. Um, and the first three scripts are in there as well. That's a uh -huh. great book. I would kill to see that TV show. Really? Yeah, I really would. I would love to see that being made. Mm. Wow. Well, I'll have to go pick it up. I paid like like an absurd amount of bank to get the little Ashcan edition because this is the the book that was originally with Virgin Comics, right? Yes, and then, and then it ended up like a year later being published by Dynamite after Virgin went tits up. Gotcha. Well, I I read the I picked up I paid the ten bucks or whatever for the sketchbook or whatever at San Diego a few years back. 
I remember thinking that it was great fun, and Morrison knows how to write a very lively pitch, particularly if you're familiar with. Is it is the only the pitch that's in the tra- in the Ashcan? Uh, and some sketches, but yeah, it does not actually have scripts. Okay, it's got the first three scripts in the hardcover, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it is it's really enjoyable. To be honest, it's it's just very very good, and also the art is beautiful. Okay, so but it's still only the concept art. They don't actually illustrate the scripts. It's, then it's only it's only the concept art, but there's a shitload of it, mm. and it's full yeah. color. It's full color concept art. It's right. it's paintings. Right. So yeah. yeah, yeah, they had a few of those in the sketchbook as well, and, and it was quite lovely. But yeah, hmm. yeah. well, I'll have to I have to keep an eye out for it. Uh, it is kind of a shame that it it apparently has enough heat, obviously, that it hasn't completely disappeared into no into you know it's not total vaporware. So who knows? Maybe somebody will see it and, and run more with it or something. Yeah, it's 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 probably vaporware. Let's face it. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, so question number two, what the half oh, flashpoint? We just did that. Right. Um, if you could have Kirby and Grant Morrison team up to do any DC or Marvel book, which would you choose they take over? Okay. You should tackle this first. Why? Because um, I've got an absurdly complex... Uh, I'm I'm not even vaguely complex. I want to see them do New Gods together. Ah, okay. Okay. That that's... it's a really really basic. Um, I think Morrison gets what Kirby was up to in the New Gods, right? But takes it in a different direction, and I'd love to see the idea of the two of them um, trying to find not only common grounds but a common way forward. Right. Would would love that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a. That would be actually kind of great. Well, so my thing is I was trying to figure out, because it's hard for me because there's a way in which um, I know that Kirby didn't like taking over essentially other people's um, ideas, you know, sure. essentially because he claimed he didn't like putting them out of work or anything like that. So, so but, I, but at the same time, Jeff, Kirby's also dead. So. <laughs> Okay, so my complex answer is that we that you have to imagine Earth JKGM, right? Which is an alternate Earth where Kirby lived much, much longer and ended up still getting comics work while he did so. So he ends up being recruited back at the end of the 90s to draw Marvel Boy for Grant Morrison. They hit it off so well that they're, that the resulting Marvel Boy miniseries actually gets a very short run where the two of them work together for about 12 to 18 issues, you know, and it allows Morrison to do all of his ideas and actually have Kirby be able to revisit the Marvel heroes, but change them as the Marvel Boy universe does and also kind of work out some of his various anger issues about the way that he's been treated with Marvel. Um, then after they leave Marvel Boy together, they had, they have had such a good time working together that Morrison then invites him to illustrate his series for Vertigo, the filth, which is basically, you know, kind of that like, William S. Burroughs meets Boy Commandos vibe in a couple of issues anyway. So they collaborate together on the filth. They enjoy that so much that they then split off and Morrison sort of returning the favor writes 
the continuation of Kirby Silver Star for, uh, oh, I don't know, let's say Dynamite. And then, <laughs> you know, finally at that I, page. I, am, I want to live on Earth, JKGM. <laughs> Me too. And then after Kirby passes, um, you know, basically in tribute, uh, Grant Morrison writes the Dinosaurs versus Aliens slash Devil Dinosaur movie for Barry Sonnenfeld. Yeah, I'll happily live there. <laughs> As you can see, that's the one that I spent a lot of time thinking about because I'm like, mm, yeah, no, wait, yeah. So, there Amy, Amy Taterpie, I honestly don't know her real last name, but I'm calling her Amy Taterpie, um, <laughs> says, tell me about subtly, slowly executed, but profound character shifts. Ooh, wow. That's a tough one. Have you that, got- that is a tough one. And honestly, I'm not sure how to answer that. Um, I really tend to say Luke Cage over Marvel. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, who has gone fairly subtly from, well, you know, the original Luke Cage, who was kind of a shitster, mm-hmm. to being one of the most stable and respected characters in the Marvel Universe. Right. But was... Did his character move that way? Um, or was it just like he was the shit stirrer and then around the time that Bendis brings him back in Alias, he's actually kind of a surprisingly grounded guy that ends up moving more and more and more into the center of things? I, uh, that, I, I don't that, know. That, I might, don't that might be stuff. more the case, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um Definitely the, the growth that Bendis has put him through. And Bendis has actually, I think, put him through growth rather well. Um, started from a different place from than where I think Cage was before that. Right. I feel there's a jump that we didn't see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Let's see. Subtly, slowly executed, but profound character shifts. Well, I, I feel like it's cheating to talk about, like, within, like, a finite story. Do you know what I mean? Well... Yeah, but exactly. I, I assume that it's not a finite story. Yeah, I, I, I assume that like it's, it's some sort of like you know long running. Right. There's oh, um, Milligan Shade the Changing Man. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think Milligan Shade the Changing Man, at least the first fifty issues or so, are yeah. really really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. to see the character go from uh, kind of like the, the various stages of grief, although not in order. Interesting. Uh, and I think the character really grows as a result. And then pretty much everything goes to shit after that. But, you right. know, the book kind of went shit after issue 50. Um, it is true that, that the character does end up changing, which may be around the time that I sort of jumped off the book, actually, which is relatively within the first 20 issues or so, I think. But uh, Oh, I would definitely say, like, if there's a golden year of Shade the Changing Man, you pretty much have to ignore, like, uh, the, yeah, definitely. I tend to say everything up until it became the vertigo, everything the first 30 issues. But the 20 issues between, like, I want to say it's, like, 31 and 50 mm-hmm. are just amazingly good. Yeah, I should, I should like, hunt those up. Clearly, that's um, but basically all the vertical issues until issue fifty are. Uh, I'm tempted to say the best things Milligan's ever written, but also just really, really, really good comics. Right. Yeah, yeah, I have to dig those up, uh, and unfortunately can't speak to them. What do you think about Claremont's Magneto? Do you think that would would qualify? Uh, I don't know because. I think there's leaps that happen there kind of off panel again. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I guess the other thing is I didn't really believe it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Right. I, I feel like I feel like at some point you felt Claremont was like, wait, I've got a new idea for McNeil. He's not an asshole. Right. Right. right As opposed right. to like it came from you know, it it was all the plan all along, or or it came from writing the character. Um. I mean, across various creators, mm-hmm. you could make the point of Dick Grayson. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think that's actually a pretty good one. Or, uh, I don't know, you know. I, which, I think... which might be where Amy wants us to go. She's a massive Dick Grayson fan. Right. Well, it could be. I mean, I, I think that I thought they did. Actually, I think Wally West is somebody who's been like kind of. To me, it's it's more that he's sort of grown into he's become a character. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I, I was I was thinking about Wally West just earlier today, mm. um, in part because he's entirely dropped off the face of the earth mm-hmm. following Flash Rebirth, right? And it actually doesn't make sense that he has, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, because he is. I mean, no one is doing anything with that character right now, right? Um. And if ever there was a character who should belong in James Robinson's Justice League, it's that character. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, Donna Troy's there, Dick Grayson's there, mm-hmm. Cyborg is there every now and again. Mm. The fact that Wally is not there right. seems really weird. Hmm. And I'm guessing it's because at some point it's been said in DC that there is one Flash and that is Barry Allen. Right. Um, but it's, it's, it's kind of odd. Um, and it's also odd because Wade did a great return of Barry Allen story mm-hmm. way, way back yeah. that yeah, dealt yeah. with the feelings that theoretically Wally is actually still going through again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so it's like that groundwork is all there. That is incredibly fertile ground. Right. Um, and I think that John's flash title is a complete misfire. Mm-hmm. Uh, for various reasons, but I think it's just I, I ended up being a mess, right? Uh, and that's why they're canceling it as much as anything. Oh yeah. But um, but one of the the worst things it did was that it didn't didn't continue the family feeling that mm-hmm. Wally West's book had always had. Yeah. I I I'm I'm fascinated to the extent to which I would say that, and this will probably play into one of our later answers the extent to which barry allison barry allison barry allen still has not stuck you know he's back he's been back for a while they keep sort of shoving him into the foreground and talking about him he's still he still doesn't work it's it's one of those things where i'm fascinated by the fact that johns was able to pull off hal's return in green lantern but i'm not able to do it for barry yeah exactly exactly for for a variety of reasons, I don't think there's just one reason, but a, a pretty pretty potent spectrum of of disincentive. You know, it's it's a shame that Amy's asking such a, a nuanced question because we probably don't really have time to sort it out. We'll have to think about because I'm like I know that there's some characters that that actually you know oh I've I've got one mm-hmm. that just came to me out of nowhere Judge Dredd ah In more than twenty five years written by the same writer. Right. Gone through significant changes in viewpoint. Right. Slowly done incredibly well, always done with reason, mm-hmm. never any shock tactics. Right. Yeah, I would say that's actually the best. Oh, that's. The best, that's sl- subtly, slowly executed, but profound character shifts in comics have been Judge Dredd. Mm-hmm. I'm really tempted to say, well, 
and I, I again have to take your word for it. I was going to also mention uh, Wolverine because I feel like that character has shifted. Uh, certainly, the the perception of him and who he is internally has changed a lot over time. I don't necessarily. Again, it's one of those things where it was maybe a bit clumsy, but I think that it sort of has worked to the extent of who we think of. Like I, I was thinking of this while reading Jason Aaron's Wolverine, like who he has his conception of who the character is, which I recognize as Wolverine is something that really like 85% of it springs up in the burn Claremont X-Men and, and shows and, and continues from there, you know? Yeah. Uh, but say that, but before that, like Wolverine's been through. I really tend to say like all of his character shifts haven't been subtle. Well, yes. Well, that, that oh, that's not true. Not all of them, but so many of them haven't been. Mm-hmm. 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 That it's been like the shock, the shock. <laughs> he can remember everything. He can remember everything. No adamantium. Well, okay. Actually, that's actually kind of a a, a really interesting point for me. Is that I think that. Uh, one of the things that amazes me about, about Wolverine now is that he does remember his past. He actually remembers all of it, which I would have thought would have been a pretty significant change to the character. And yet he's still recognizably the same character. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, at some point, probably around like the Claremont Miller Wolverine miniseries, say, um, Wolverine picked up an added element of, I guess, self-pity, I suppose, that he really doesn't have when, from his first appearance on through his first batch of issues, you know, it's like, he's very much, you know, the, the things that he has that sticks from the early, his first appearances with Cockrum and Claremont are the way that he dresses, the way that he talks, but he's much more of a short outsider asshole through there. And for the most part, his reactions are something along the lines of, well, I want this, so I'll just kill you kind of concept. Something that Miller tried to bring back, I think, somewhat unsuccessfully in in Ultimate X-Men, for example. But over time, he became the kind of like, you know, Oh, I I want Jean Grey, but I can't have her. Oh, I want to be a samurai, yeah, but I, I can't I, have her. At some point, there, there was so much uh, Wolverine became about angst more than yes. anything else. Yeah, 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 exactly. So the weird part is, is that angsty part of the character is something that you recognize. I think that most of the Wolverine, the guys who write Wolverine, they usually throw it in there. It's always this undercurrent is he doesn't show it, but he's like the angstiest guy in the room in like a drone up grown up. I'm going to go and go off by myself and drink kind of way, I suppose. I kind of think that that is something that's in the character that was not originally there, you know, and that got added on again. It's very hard to talk when you say anything related to Chris Claremont to say that it's subtle, but I do think that it was a change that happened and oh, happened no, I, over time. And I, th- I think that Claremont could be subtle. I was when I was saying that none of Wolverine's character tra- changes have been subtle. I'm talking about the later stuff. Oh yeah, well yeah, exactly. I mean, when you when you talk about the memory, no memory, or like the adamantium, no adamantium, but but the core of it at the character, interestingly enough, of like 
you know, he's gone from the guy who couldn't remember his past and felt sorry for himself to the guy who's aware of all the shitty stuff that he's done. And feel sorry for himself. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's – but the feeling sorry for himself is that weird addition that kind of happened and took and stuck to the character. And who knows? Maybe that's part of why the modern era of of Marvel writers keep throwing Spider-Man and Wolverine together. They're kind of weird flip sides of the same coin in that way in terms of the way that they process their self-pity and responsibility are different but also very similar. Marvel, where characters can be a wide variety of character traits as long as self-pity is in there. <laughs> as long as you feel sorry for yourself, you can be a Marvel character. Well, dude, that was the Stan Lee way. That's man. true. I mean, I really, maybe that's why Wolverine has lost it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I think that makes sense. Oh, no, I, I suppose it'd be a whole touch-off of like, are there any Marvel superhero characters who don't feel sorry for themselves? Um, you know, and there are. They do, just tend do you know who I think one story. is now, oddly? Captain America. Mm, mm. Because Bucky not being dead takes away his tragedy. Right, 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 right. No, actually, since he's come back, he's been kind of a streamlined character. And Steve Rogers is, he's if nothing else, I'm never necessarily sure if they know what they're doing with the character. But usually I'm like, ah, oh, thank God. You know what I mean? There's just an element of, yeah, he's not self-pitying anymore. Uh, I remember back, because I was flipping through some old comics of mine, one of the great things is when Engelhart brings back the Beast, you know, and turns him into a furry dude and has him join the Avengers, one of the things that's incredibly refreshing about that character is he has he, no... He doesn't feel bad about being a monster. Yeah, exactly. He ha He's incredibly comfortable with his own skin, which was really refreshing and I think really added to that character's popularity there, you know? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I can't, I miss that beast a lot. Yeah, don't you? I more, do too. More than the visual, I miss that character. The yes. fact that after a while they're like, let's play up that he's smart and conflicted. It's mm. like, great, but you can be smart and conflicted and not just sorry for yourself. Yeah, yeah. Ever since they, they threw the glasses on him, which I think I kind of, I think I'm tempted to blame on Morrison's new X-Men. Yeah, I think I might be quite like, no, but he, he was, he was the smart, no, in fact, I wasn't thinking about it, it's Jim Lee. Oh, put the, put the glasses. Jim Lee put the glasses on him. Oh, uh, okay. Um, but I want to say that the smart beast filled with self-doubt and everything came before Morrison. Hmm. Maybe. That that certainly Cause, wouldn't. Cause, well, I'm, no, because I'm thinking about like the X Factor stuff. Mm, oh, do you know okay. what I mean? Because like right. he was stupid, and then he wasn't stupid, and then he was a right. monster, and do you know what I mean? Like there was a lot of right. uh, completely fabricated angst sort of injected into the character at that point. Right. I definitely. That, I don't. I don't think he ever really recovered from. Right. Right. Which is is a shame. It is a shame. Like I can see. Like I will see a George Perez drawn beast and just feel such a stab of nostalgia. Yeah, exactly. And it's um, it's one of first of all, it's one of the few Marvel characters I feel that sort of nostalgia for. Mm -hmm. But also, it's an it's why I get uh, as upset as I get, which is not very uh, about <laughs> things like the current treatment of Wonder Man. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, what is the current treatment of Wonder Man? Oh, he's he's a villain in Avengers. What? Yeah, for like for no mutually apparent reason, he's like the Avengers are a terrible idea, and I will punch you until you agree. What? Really? Yeah. Uh, who is this under? Was this? <laughs> who's, 
Who's it under? It's an Avengers. It's this is Bendis again. Yeah. Oh my god! I thought I got I, all the vitriol. I, out I, I feel that I feel like maybe I missed something that he he feels this way. Because yeah. he's because like when he when I first saw him do this is in the first issue of Avengers and he's like I've told you before and I was kind of like you have. <laughs> Did I miss that book? Wait, when did that happen? When did this? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, it, it's like, it's like no, he's he's many things, but he's not the guy who beats people up because he thinks something's a bad idea. Yeah, exactly. No, he's really not that guy. In fact, again, I mean, he's really not that guy. But right, and I was going to say, actually, weirdly enough, he was another guy who I actually tended to appreciate because. Even in his own angsty, he had his angst issues. He was actually kind of, again, a kind of sort of basically happy dude after a certain point, you know? Like when they first brought him back and he's resurrected and he's angry and crazy and they're, he's, you know, then they, they go through the stage where he actually thinks of the vision as a brother and the two of them sort of weirdly bond and you know it's, and then he becomes a hollywood star like there's a variety. The, the, the Engelhart hollywood star era is mm-hmm. absolutely spectacular yeah yeah when yeah. he gets it when he gets a big head mm-hmm. like i love that character arc yeah all the characters hate him yes yes he's like well i don't know if any of you have been a movie in hollywood but i'm in hollywood <laughs> and i think this is what we should do right and right. all the characters are half doubles like shut up <laughs> made a movie so what like i love that era i i, I, I do that that that's that's got to be that's in the west coast avengers era right? it is in the west coast avengers yeah, era it, yeah. it's Engelhart's west coast avengers when yeah. he becomes i mean he has a lot of angst mixed in there because you know it's yes. but um he becomes like this really weird funny comedy character right right no i i thought i i do think that Engelhart can mix up his can can he does the angst but he also does do other stuff too. He seems to he, like he does he, he does very um, broad comedy, I think, yeah. which I think really offsets the angst because everything Engelhart does is like this weird operatic level of emotion. Mm-hmm. It's never just angst; it's like insane angst, <laughs> right? Um, <laughs> which, which in itself is funny. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the, the whole thing is 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 very like I really love the ear of the character, and so to see him all of a sudden being like. Damn it, Steve. I don't want to fight you, but you've got the Avengers back together. I will punch you. It's like, really? Seriously? Uh, okay, Rick Vance, next question, because we're powering through. Remember, Jeff? We're powering oh, that's right. Powering through. <laughs> we're doing such a good job. Um, least favorite character that seems to get forced into comics. Hero and villain for variety. Mm. Least favorite character. Least favorite. Right. Used to be the Sentry for me at Marvel. Uh, then there was another one that... Um, Jesus. God, I thought of another one, too, because I was looking at that one. I'm like, oh, I've got, a, I've got a perfect. I've got a hero that I actually don't like. And I could have sworn that it was one that we mentioned earlier. Oh, and Barry Allen's Flash. There we go. Barry Allen's Flash is being forced into comics these days. Don't like it. Kind of hated when Green Arrow was somehow being jammed into everything. But I, I don't... I actually don't mind Green Arrow as a character. Barry Allen, wish he was gone. Sentry, actively hated. And then Villain, I used to like Deathstroke to Terminator, and then he got so overplayed at DC, I just, I would almost pay money not to see him again. Uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd go along with your Deathstroke. Um, 
I feel like that should be like the title of a porn film. I would go along with your death stroke. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Who? What characters? I don't know, because I tend not have to read the books with the characters that get forced in there that I don't like. Well, but... I, but like, oh, you, example, you know who? Aquaman. Ah, yeah. uh, interesting. Aquaman, really, really not a fan. I'm not sure I call him the least favorite character. Um, Which is interesting, because is he still, like, oh, Kate's you know most favorite really? character? Or Black, no? Black Adam. Oh, yeah. I have, I have no interest in Black Adam. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he keeps popping up in things. Yeah. Uh, mm, yeah. So And all of his family. So that's like uh, Isis and Osiris. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Any of them. Right. Absolutely no interest whatsoever. And I, I almost would extend that these days to the entire Captain Marvel franchise. Uh, despite right. my earlier words about well, <laughs> Jeff Smith's take. Because yes. I feel like these days all of that has become... I'm uh, By which I'm now talking about like the mainstream continuity, quote-unquote. Exactly. But all of that has become like such a clusterfuck that I have no interest in it. It has right. killed my, right. my joy in that character. Yeah. Um. Uh, so that's my hero and my villain. The, the entire Marvel family. Right. Well, it makes very Marvel. Thanks very much, Grant Morrison. Yes, I, I actually it makes sense to me because honestly, I think that one of the problem, one of the classic problems with Captain Marvel is that he, those characters as they were conceived and created, don't really work well with the rest of the the DC superhero universe. Yeah. On the other hand, people don't really seem to have any interest in reading them outside of the DC universe. Hell, maybe still in the DC universe, but. But yeah, I, I Well yes and no. I mean Mike Hunkel Kunkel did that wonderful Bio Bratson and the Magic of Shazam book. Right. That, which was really, really good. Yeah, but I that never came out, but it was really good. Yeah, that hardly ever came out and frankly the sales weren't necessarily so hot. Again, I I'm talking to my earlier point of you can have great stuff like Jeff Smith, Mary Kunkel, they don't necessarily sell. You know, I mean, I would love to put like, I don't know, Alan Moore and Jim Woodring on Captain Marvel. And I don't think that it would, it wouldn't sell a good goddamn, but it would be great. But then they always try and shoehorn them into the universe and they're always a bad fit. Even in Kingdom Come, where everyone seemed to love the character, I didn't think that that was such an awesome fit, you know. Um, and again, actually Kingdom Come is one of those books that really seems like we were talking about Jeff John's sort of yoinking from Alan Moore's Twilight. Kingdom Come's another book that yoinks from, from Twilight pretty heavily, as I recall. And Alex Ross completely denies it, which I, I completely love. Really? Oh, I thought he would own up to it. I thought that, I figured that it was Wade actually went to great lengths to, was the one who brought the other stuff into it, but it's so... I, I'm fairly sure that I've seen interviews with Alex Ross where he's like, it's a crazy coincidence, but I love Al- uh, I live Alan Moore. Wow! I find that Wow, really? All right, well, whatever. I might be, I might be misremembering. I seem to remember seeing that and having a pretty much a similar reaction to it. Like, <laughs> like, really? Andrew Foley asks, what unfinished and or abruptly truncated comic story would you most like to see properly completed? I'm going to give my sh- a shout out to what I was talking about last week. I'd love to see Green Lantern Mosaic continued for the uh, extent it was meant to be. Mm. I'd love to see that. Right. God. You know, why do people have to ask all these, like, good questions? Like, seriously, when why we're trying to, like, ask, power like, through... Why questions that we can just... Yeah, because, well, or, I mean, you know, because this is one where I think we could probably spend, like, 20 minutes. I, I would have loved to have seen uh, Steve Gerber and Mary Screens finish Omega the Unknown the way that it was me- meant to be done, 
I suppose. I would love um, to have seen uh, Kirby do more new gods. Yeah, Kirby doing more new gods would have been great. Uh, and I also would have loved to have seen the original Hunger Dogs. Yeah, that would be really kind of interesting, too. Uh, you know, the one thing that I'm actually really glad that has that weird, fucked up, truncated ending is Kirby's OMAC, which just is like... Which just ends. Which just ends, and it's so <laughs> brutally so, and done even by the editors. But I kind of prefer it. I kind of, I kind of love that sort of car crash feel to it. Uh, damn, I know there's got to be something that's more recent. Unfinished and or abruptly truncated comic stories. Again, Morrison's Marvel Boy stuff, I would love to have actually seen... Yeah, where, where he was going. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that would have been really, really interesting and fun uh, and, and fascinating. Um, yeah, I think... I, I, unfortunately, I, I, it's a great question. If we come up with other stuff, I'd love to return to it. But those are the only three or four that jump off of my top of my head. I know there's more. I would also part of me back way back when would have loved to have seen the completion of Moore's um, and Sienkiewicz's, uh big numbers. But the older I get, the more I think it wouldn't have worked or been interesting. Or I think it would have ended up being just way too. Uh, dull, I guess. Yeah, you know? yeah, I, I, I think so as well. I remember being a kid and loving it and rereading it and being like, "Huh, yeah, okay." Right. Exactly. Rereading it, I'm like, "Fuck, this is really like tedious and obvious." And and even the things that I really love, some of the the things that he was going to go with as far as nested structures and things, I think. It's, it, but it all it's all like very clever, but it doesn't make a good story. Right, right. Which I, you know, is a conversation I feel we've had before. But right, you've got to have more to story than intellect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Cormac O'Connor says, "Have you been reading the new Fantagraphics Prince Valiant reprints? If so, please discuss. This is one we could do quickly. Nope. Nope. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> which sorry. Is great. It's such uh, a great question. I've actually, I will say that uh, the Fantagraphics Prince Valiant reprints as lovely as they look, they are maybe third on my list of there's, I still have to pick up the, the rest of Fantagraphics Popeye, which I've read the dailies, but not the Sunday strips. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Roy Crane's, uh, Captain Easy stuff, Captain Easy and Wash Tubs reprints. Then if I can power, if I can get through those, if I can save up the coin for them, I should hit the Prince Valiant stuff. I think hopefully Cormac has read, um, what's his, Matt Seneca's take on on the Prince Valiant stuff. I think he had a really, as I recall, he had a pretty good essay talking about the just the level of craft and love. And I have not seen that, but I, th- I think I will have to go and look. Yeah, go go check it out. As I recall, it, it's and you know, and maybe I'm misremembering, but uh, but yeah, unfortunately, we can't discuss it. If Fanographics wants to send us some reprints, I totally will though. Jack, if you're listening, send Jeff some reprints. Uh, don't send them to me because I still haven't written anything about the Dave uh, McKean book that you sent me a couple of weeks ago. And, cause oh I'm, my I'm god! Valid. All right, I know. So yeah, just send it. To Time Jeff. to queue up the I, why we I hate feel, Graham. I feel music. guilty. Um, <laughs> Rick Vance asks again. Oh, and a follow-up to another question. Why doesn't Marvel do absolute-sized comics? Um, Why do I think... I thought we kind of answered that. No, I guess we just spent all the time talking about what we want to see for absolute uh, Why don't they? Because they don't. I mean, they kind of do. They do the omnibuses, which are over... See, that's it. They're not, they're not absolute... Uh, 
dimensions, but they're oversized comics. Yeah, they're oversized. And I, I would say that especially now that you've got the recoloring on the Simonson's Thor omnibus, that's the closest thing that you've got to like an absolute in an absolute edition, right? Because it's yeah. been recolored and yeah. So I mean, ultimately, I, I would say because they have their they've got their omnibuy, I guess, and we'll see. I mean, certainly the Thor thing has done well enough that for them, I would think financially that hopefully they'll move into recoloring more stuff. But I just don't feel like I think Marvel like the absolute editions thing requires more of an interest beyond a fast buck that I just think that Marvel has a tendency to lack in its trade department. You think Marvel has a tendency to lack the fast buck? No, no, no. I'm sorry. Has a lack to be interested in anything but a fast buck. Sorry. That is uh, a pause. No, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I will agree. I was going to say the one thing that does surprise me is that Marvel haven't because the absolute format being 12 issues for a hundred dollars is something that I'm really surprised that Marvel in their attempt to get a fast buck have not explored more. But I, I don't think they like the production. I don't think they like, I don't think they like that right. level of production. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think they like adding because there's additional costs on the back end. I think they they're omnibus. That's true. Yeah, that's that's cheap. very true. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think that's it. It's like they don't want to put any money into it. Uh, let's see. We've already answered Al's question about Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. Garrett Berner says, which Marvel property would make a TV series in the vein of Smallville with implied costumes and show do like angst? That's a great question. Spider-Man. Um, any, <laughs> any Marvel series. Marvel series, as we've just talked about, are about angst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so any Marvel series. If you're looking for one that's going to be very Smallville-ish, um, Nova. Mm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I, you know, honestly, it's a shame that the whole Mutant X property thing, like, just crapped all over it. Because you could have a, a an Xavier's School for Gifted Youngsters TV show that's teens with angst and superpowers go. You know what I mean? Like, it just yeah. seems to me like it's the easiest thing in the world to do um, right off the bat. And probably because of how badly... Mutant X was handled and or a variety of other licensing problems. We, we I don't know if we necessarily see it. Um, yeah. Do you have any special thoughts uh, since Smallville's going away? And I know it's meant a lot to you over this last Small, decade. Uh, Smallville has been very close to my heart. Uh, there hasn't been a year gone by that I've not had to watch at least one episode of Smallville. <laughs> um, really, the last years it actually has turned into that. Like for my job, I've had to watch at least one episode of Smallville a year. <laughs> I'm probably gonna watch. I have to say, I am probably gonna watch the finale this Friday. Right. Um, in part because I'm hoping to get like some at least some jokes out of it, mm-hmm. but uh, I'll probably end up writing about it. Smallville, it. <sighs> It was really successful at what it did. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of good, surprisingly good, so. Good for it on that. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much my extent of my Smallville love. Um, yeah, that's it. I have nothing more to say. I was going to say something about the amount of DC characters that started introduced to the, con- the public consciousness. I mean, like, Booster Gold and fucking Blue Beetle were in an episode a couple of weeks ago. Right. I mean, holy crap. Uh, they had Legion of Superheroes episodes. They had Justice Society. Um, but you know what? Let me, let me just jump in and say that the thing that strikes me is they didn't 
have to start kind of they only resorted to that in the last what four or five years yeah but that that's because the series went on too long right and so the thing that i think is interesting about smallville is although they really could not have handled it more poorly i thought that smallville had a really good strong original hook that that would have lasted, you know, that, that, that they at least ran for four or five years on before they started bringing in the rest of the universe. That's really far more than you would kind of expect, you know what I mean, in that sense. Like, once they started throwing, you know, fan service uh, for, you know, comic readers onto the fire, before that, they actually did a surprising, you know, I would watch a few episodes and I thought it was handled so poorly, but the whole idea of... Lex and Clark as friends who are inevitably going to end up becoming enemies. That that's where the series really lost its weight when when Lex left. Mm-hmm. When that actor is like, "Yeah, I'm done. I've done this for seven years. Seriously, there's only so many times you can look menacingly at the camera and sneer." Right. Uh, that's when the series really started spiraling out of control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because the series really was about Lex. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, exactly. The show is about Lex, and those were the parts where it was, it was totally, it was awesome and when it worked that way. And as it's, you know, yeah, it it was, it had a shot at being like a totally awesome, satisfyingly, uh, you know, tragic, homoerotic male soap opera that um that I I felt like it kind of balked at, and then Supernatural was kind of like, oh, okay, we'll do that. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll take that out. I, said, I, I did almost watch the episode where Lex came back just to see how they handled it. But yeah, yeah, but exactly. to be honest, forgot it was on. <laughs> 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 uh, okay, Jordan Smith says, who are your favorite artists or writers not currently getting any work? Oh, boy. There's so many. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see who um, John Smith, Steve Yule. Mm-hmm. Um, not getting anywhere. I'm, I said on Twitter earlier on this week, and I think some people were surprised. I'm really surprised Sterling Gates has not been getting much more work from DC. I think his Supergirl work re- and his Superman work uh, really like showed that he could do it in a Jeff Johnsy way, and then he disappeared. Oh, you know, which he... really was like, what the fuck? How? How did right. you let him get away? Yeah. <laughs> He, he could do he could do your formula and do it well. Yeah, yeah. Is he is he the one that also did this uh, recent issue of Zatanna? The uh, or am I getting that? Uh, I think you might be thinking of Matt Sturgis, but I could be wrong. Oh shit! Yes, I am. Sorry for the st throws me off. Right, Sterling Gates. I have not read much of, um, but met briefly at NYCC via Tim Callahan, and he seemed great. He's he's he like his Supergirl. Run was honestly one of those times where you're like, this character's a mess. No one's going to make this character work. Oh, he's made the character work. And he did it in like an issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, fuck. And then he made it into a successful soap opera book for what, 30, 30 issues through the new Krypton arc, which wow, hijacked, which really hijacked Supergirl as a character for like two years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he basically kept his own through line, which was amazing. That's extraordinary. Uh, and, and then he disappeared. Then he completely disappeared. Um, huh. and I, I know he's doing one in the Flashpoint series. Right. But 
yeah, I'm I'm really surprised that DC didn't basically jump on him. Right. Huh. That's interesting. Uh, Artist-wise, Brendan McCarthy, but he's... I'm not sure he counts. Everyone thinks that. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. What about you? Jeez. I, I, you know, I'm kind of like... I, you know, there's a there's a ton of them, <laughs> of course. And, I mean, they, they tend to be like... There are also people that I'm aware of are, are kind of toiling away doing their own projects. Like, for example... Um, I think I'm I'm shocked that people that Adam Warren just wasn't like aggressively courted. You know, I to, in my mind he should have been one of Marvel's yeah, but, architects. You but know? here's the thing: he did work for Marvel and it just didn't sell. No, I know. I I know. I I'm aware. I just no, but like, but it's not one of these cases where like is the is the audience wrong for a better way of putting it? Right. Well, but okay. I I would have to go back and look at those numbers, but. I don't necessarily know if they didn't sell quite at the level of completely sucking out. You know what I mean? Like, it was just kind of like, okay, they didn't sell because they didn't quite do the trick. Like, I'm not sure if if Iron Man Hyper Velocity really sold any worse than most of the other post-Iron Man movie miniseries. Like, maybe it did. Live Wires, I didn't especially care for. In fact, I disliked it. But again, it didn't seem to be any worse sales-wise than, say, some of the tsunami stuff, uh, which I think it was part of. Unless I'm screwing that up. Anyway, I, I, agreed. He doesn't. I, I, to, I think it was around the same time tsunami. I don't think it was a tsunami book. But I mean, you know, to me, my uh, my baseline is if you, unless you're selling demonstrably worse than Frank Thierry. You know what I mean? Like, you should still be able to get work. Or rather, the way I'd like to see it is, it'd be awesome if Frank Thierry didn't get more work. <laughs> okay, but, but look at it like this. Everyone who's done a series that sold worse than Iron Man Hypervelocity, for the most part, is willing to sell out to write the stories Marvel or DC wants rather than the stories they want in order to have a job. Whereas Warren doesn't necessarily have to do that because he's got empowered and other work. Well, and that was my point. Is is like as much as I'd like to see his stuff, like I'm like, actually he's doing empowered, he's doing it, it's all him, it's all his stuff. I don't necessarily know if it's necessary if it's the one Adam Warren project that he could be doing year in and year out, it would actually be empowered. But he's got a lot of great stuff in it, so I'm happy. Similarly, um, you know, Car- there was a period where Carlos Speed McNeil just seemed completely, totally off the map, you know? And I was like, where is she? Why isn't anyone using her? Why Why isn't, you know, and if she was doing her web stuff, but handling it not especially well, as far as I could tell. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and now she's back. Uh, voice was great. So there's ideas of like sometimes these guys, and then there are people like Dylan Horrocks, for example, whose work I would love to see more of as him. And I know that he's updating Magic Pen, I think, weekly, but you know, he's a guy who came from the indie field and was doing indie work and then got dragged into the DC machinery. I don't think it necessarily served him well. I think. Sean McKeever's like a great guy who never seems to get enough attention for the projects that he does, enough real sales or anything like that. And he seems to have, you know, I think chops, I guess. I don't know. You know, I mean, I, 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 I was just going to say, I'm Miss Shanty and Devin Grayson. 
Oh yeah. Just right, right, right. Two games, something either. I can think of many people who get some work but don't get enough work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's actually true. Yes. Come on, come on. Jeff, I want to see Jeff do something. You're telling me you can put a 16 fucking Flashpoint miniseries and, you know, 13 Fear 7 miniseries and Jeff isn't even writing a story for one of them? Fail. You know, I will say this. I will say that um, I think that when you say, like, fail DC and Marvel, I definitely felt like, and maybe I bet there are other dudes who were trying to chase work who, when they saw the Flashpoint stuff come out, they were like, oh, I didn't do this right. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much product there, it looked like they were just looked like grabbing people off the street. Like, hey, how do you yeah, feel it's about got, it's got, it's got So many of the names were, like, completely unfamiliar. You're like, who the fuck are these people? Yeah, like, at a batch. To, to the extent of where either DC was doing a talent search or, again, they just needed enough people to fill that product. And that was really one of those things, like, wow. I, I, I'm hoping I'm not the only person who was chasing work who was like clearly I did it wrong because if I had been in the right place at the right time and had had the right thing to show people or even a halfway not altogether wrong thing to show people I would be doing one of those and it's totally fine it is what it is I I, I was joking a little bit about what I was saying because a year ago I would have definitely been like yeah me you need more of me and these days I definitely find myself kind of at a stage where you're like, I'm not sure I want to do this. I kind of don't. I kind of would not want to do a Flashpoint series. Like two years ago, it'd be like, well, any sort of attempt to fill pages and a chance to visit the heroes or whatever. Now I'm just very like, those things just seem kind of, I feel like I'm helping to clear cut the forest, you know, and I just, part of me would rather try and figure out if I'm going to do something, I should do something on my own and figure out a way to make that work. Um, there's just not enough characters that I feel that crazy about that are work for high fork for higher characters that honestly, I would want to jump in at the bottom of the scale being like, okay, here's flashpoint Zatanna. It's going to be awesome. She doesn't know magic. She knows rapping. She's a freestyling backwards rapper. Oh my god! Rapper. You save that pitch like nobody's business. <laughs> oh come on! That honestly came to me naturally. I was like, she doesn't know magic, and I was like, well, why does she talk backwards? That's that what was, I'm saying. You're super... brilliant. I was trying to come up with something. I want to read Zatanna the rapper. You know what I mean? Like oh, Zatanna is... the rapper. <laughs> no, I want to read Zatanna. It's called that. That's what I'm saying. You, Stand you the deal. Call us. Call it. We're available. Uh, yeah. 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 Also, like, are you not going to answer? Dr. Doom, Doom MD. <laughs> Dr. Doom MD is also awesome. I, I told you that, right? That was about Maxwell, I think. Uh, no. Did you? Matt Maxwell also- and I came up with this idea called Dr. Doom MD, where Dr. Doom, it was when Mark Wade was writing Flash. Uh, uh-huh. It was writing Fantastic Four, rather. Uh huh. Um, and Doctor Doom was either banished to hell or, or something, and we decided that he wasn't banished to hell. He was banished to like a suburb of New York, the Latvian suburb of New York, where no one could recognize him as Doctor Doom. They just think he was a local MD. <laughs> <laughs> and like it would be him, like being full on Doctor Doom. <laughs> And having to deal with HMOs and everything, and also becoming like weird, weirdly protective of, of patients. I 
would love that. That is a fucking great pitch. I mean, because not only is it funny, but you can totally see it when he starts like, you know, it, it develops. It's like a great mix of like house, you know, and other like arrogant doctor stuff who gets, you know, except he may, you know. Oh, except it's this guy, except Dr. Doom. Like he's got this, except the only thing is like, so he's got his armor, but his cloak and the old thing is all white now. I, I, I'm all over it. I'm all over it. That would be great. I really, I, 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 I've always loved that idea. Um, anyway, Jordan Smith had a second question, which yes. is, um, who is Canterbury Critics' DCU version? Having not read Flashpoint, I have no idea. Okay. I poked around a little bit, and I guess it's Britannia and Canterbury Cricket, I guess. And so people are like, is this like Knight and Squire, or is it like Batman and Robin, or blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go out on a ledge, and I, I'll probably be wrong, but I'm going to guess that since it's Jeff Johns, it's related to Stars and Stripes. Um, and so Canterbury Cricket is like the Earth 2 equivalent of, uh, what's her name? Star. Stargirl? Yeah, Stargirl from uh, from JSA. So Good and enough for me. Yeah, I mean, you know, neither of us have seen the comic. Well, how's that for a blind spot? Well, that, that's just that, like, I'm pretty sure that when the character appears, it'll be like, and then my secret identity is Ted Card, and you'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Um, Michael Walker asks, thing with a hammer versus Hulk with a hammer, who wins? <laughs> the reader, Michael. The reader wins. <laughs> have you learned nothing, Michael? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Ooh. Well, I, I, get, I think that is absolutely the level at which that... I don't think he's serious, but... No, he's not, because he then asks another question. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Um, he says, okay, more seriously, YouTube podcast is a bit about Marvel and DC. What do you like or dislike from Image, Dark Horse, and Oni? I'm going to blanketly say I pretty much like everything Oni does. Even if I don't like the books, I like the way they do it. I like the cut of their jib a lot. Mm. Um, recently, I've really enjoyed, and I wrote about this this week, uh, there's a, a series of books called the Amy Devlin series. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is detective stuff and it's graphic novels and it's really good. The first one's called Past Lies with spectacular art by Chris Minton. Um, and the second one's called All Saints Day and I can't remember the name of the artist on it. Um, but it's very good and it's all done done in one graphic novels. They're like $20, $15 um, for like, I don't know, 200 pages. Mm-hmm. Um size of a, a, a mass market paperback, hardcover, black and white, just lo- lovely packages, great stories. Really, it's like um, when I wrote about it, I actually likened it to Castle, the ABC TV show. Like that level of, you know, whodunit, but kind of jokey type right. thing. It just, I'm a sucker for that sort of thing, and I think they're really well done. Uh, I loved uh, Stumptown from Oni. Mm-hmm. I we, we have both talked about our love for um, Scott Pilgrim, obviously. James yes. Stoke, when James Stokoe and uh, Brandon Graham do stuff through Oni, I think it's spectacular. Yeah. In uh, fact, is he doing is he doing multiple warheads through Image or through Oni? Through Oni, I believe. Okay, so that's that's like that's worth keeping an eye out for. Um, what else? Spontaneous, the the Joe Harris book. Mm. Um, it looks really really good. Hmm. Um. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of stuff thrown in. I love Image. Uh, I got my ass handed to me by the internet when I said I didn't really like Top Cow and I didn't read them, and then it turned out I liked Witchblade. So there's that. Um, 
what else? I can't. Image publishes so much stuff that there's a lot of stuff that I'm just like not even in my brain when I think of Image anymore. Right. Right. Uh. Yeah. Exactly. Um. But again, I really like that Image exists. Do you know what I mean? Like, right. I, mean, I like that that it's somewhere that people can just get mm-hmm. that level of freedom and, and that level of promotion as well. Ed. Uh, yeah, I think so. And Dark Horse. Did I do my Dark Horse rant last time we talked? I don't remember. I don't. There was there was a, a thing on the Dark Horse blog. It's like we've changed our corporate identity, and here's how we did it. Uh, and it's like we chose three of our most iconic characters, and all of them were licensed characters. Mm-hmm. It was Darth Vader and someone from Mass Effect and Conan. Right. And I remember just being like, "That's really sad, but also really where Dark Horse is at right now." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and and kind of always has. Like Dark Horse has a. Like, and by Dark Horse, I guess I, I mean Mike Richardson. I, I feel like he's got a pie chart that he sort of sticks to and makes sure that it's like, you know, 70% uh, licensed properties, 20%, you know, comic dudes that I think are great and are giants in the field, and 10%, I don't know, you convince me. You know what I mean? And those numbers are probably skewed. It's probably closer to 80% licensed, 15%, you know, greats, 5%, ah, convince me. So, um, you know, so I, I'll tell you one thing I don't like about Dark Horse is their fucking iPad app has been frozen on me for two fucking days now, which is driving me crazy because I actually picked up some free comics from them and dropped some money on on some stuff because I thought that it was worth supporting. I picked up Empowered and Lone Wolf and Cub and um, uh, gosh, what what was the other thing? Those those were like the big ones, and then the freebies were like some little Lulu stuff and some other things. Um, I'm super happy that Carla Speed McNeil is back, and the fact that she's back at Dark Horse means to me that Dark Horse is worth being paid attention to. I think uh, Axe Cop, of course, I love. I know that Graham's a little, eh, he likes it okay, but I quite like it. Um, I know other people seem to think that uh, Mignolia's Hellboy is kind of the gold standard for a non-top two enjoyable book. Eric Powell's The Goon, which I dearly loved for the first, I don't know, 12 to 14 issues before I just got, I kind of felt like it just was too repetitive or redundant. I kind of lost interest in it. Mignolia, for that matter, like the Corbin stuff, he'll, he still is capable of breaking out work that excites me, but generally Hellboy doesn't. Everyone, I get the impression that I really should be reading like BPRD, and I haven't. Um, I should look into it. <laughs> you, you and I, Jeff, you and I, both of us. <laughs> yeah, everyone loves BPRD, and for some uh-huh. reason, I've not picked it up, and I, uh, I'm kind of daunted by it. Mm-hmm. Right, there's well, so much. Yeah, there's so many, <laughs> many, so much BPRD. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of like a stealth series, apparently, but kind of isn't. And yeah, there's a ton of it, and I'm I'm kind of kind of daunted. So that's Black Horse. Uh, Dark I, Horse. I, as, as much as I complained about Dark Horse's license stuff, I have to admit I stayed with some Skrull of Buffy, and I'm going to pick up the new Buffy series. And I've really liked a lot of the Star Wars comics. Yeah, I haven't bothered with the Star Wars stuff. I think I'm starting to figure out that I've just not. not really technically what you would call a good Star Wars fan. I, I can tell you the one Star Wars book that you have to buy. Uh-huh. Uh, you know how they're doing reprints of the Marvel stuff? Yes. Yes. They're the third volume of their Omnibus collection of the Marvel stuff. The official mm-hmm. title of which is Star Wars Omnibus A Long Time Ago Volume 3. 
uh-huh. contains, as far as I can tell, the entire Walt Simonson run. Ah, wow. Walt Simonson inked by Tom Palmer. Mm-hmm. He's co-plotting for at least half of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is no joke, and it's not just nostalgia saying this, the best Star Wars comics I've ever read. Mm. It's just tonally spot on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the right level of fan service versus new ideas, right. and also manages to predict two separate things from Return of the Jedi. Oh, wow. Very nice. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's great. It's really, really, really good stuff. Uh, and I, I highly recommend that to anyone who read Star Wars comics growing up but, or like Star Wars and is like, oh, the comics are shit. Really pick up the third volume of the um, A Long Time Ago Omnibus series. It's great. I will I will definitely check that out because uh, as I'm pouring through Simonson's store, I'm like, ah, I should give him look at si- si- Simonson inked by Tom Palmer is really weird. Yeah. Because there, 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 time, there are times when you're like, this doesn't look like Simonson at all. There are times right. where you're like, this is definitely Simonson layouts. And there are times where you're like, yeah, this is definitely Simonson. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there are other times where you're like, huh, really? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There's times where you're like, I don't see the Simonson this at all. And then like, he'll do a, and here's a space horizon. And you're like, oh, Simonson. <laughs> uh, there's actually a page in the in the book where quite clearly he inked it. Because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, and here are the rebels and they're going on board the new replacement of the Death Star, which is one of the plots that gets ripped off in Return of the Jedi. Um, and they go, and this is what it looks like from outside. And everything about the inks is quite clearly Simonson. Wow. So yeah, I, I highly, highly, highly recommend that book. Hmm, that sounds great. I, I, I yeah. If you if you like Star Wars, by which I mean the first, even just the first two movies, mm-hmm. then you should check it out. Well, see, that's it. I actually read the Star Wars comics completely devotedly up until the up up until Empire Strikes Back. And that was when I had that first stab of like, oh, okay. And ironically, these comics come immediately after Empire Strikes Back, and they're the best of the run. <laughs> right. And it's probably when I jumped off. And it would probably be at the stage where I, like now, I wouldn't care about it. But at the time, like by the time you got to Empire Strikes Back and there was no, there was just this huge jump, it was like, oh, Marvel wasn't given any instructions whatsoever. Like all of this stuff that happens between these two movies – Lucas doesn't care. He's not paying attention. Yeah, yeah, Marvel yeah. doesn't know. And that was the point at which I was like, well, then this doesn't mean anything. And I just... Uh, although the best example of that was DC's Star Trek comics in the 80s. Were you reading those? Uh, you've, got I the, you've got the DVD collection, though, so you, you can... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I should it. Between Star Trek... Oh, God, what was the one? Where, Star Trek 3 uh, and Star Trek 4, mm-hmm. DC creates like an entire continuity that they then have to undo because Star Trek 4 picks up pretty much like a two weeks after Star Trek 3. <laughs> I'm not joking. They have a whole thing that they have to undo in like two issues. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, and that it's the, it makes sense. It makes sense. But I've just, there's never been, I think that's why so many people responded to the idea of Buffy season eight of like, okay, so we're actually getting a comic book tie in that, you know, that matters. They count. Yeah. That matters. Yeah. That counts. So, uh, and then of course I ended up getting kind of bored and wandering away from it. So, uh, image season eight, I feel would, uh, work much better in trades. 
yeah, I think because I because I remember reading a bunch of I, I remember reading them like once it was finished, like all in a winter, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's much more satisfying than it was in, in single issues because in single issues, oh god, yeah, yeah, I can I can imagine I can imagine. Hmm. Uh, well, I will leave off my list. I think you gave a good starter list, but being as we're at uh, well over our two hour mark, we should probably. Uh, I, that, luckily, that was the last question. We finished all the questions, Jeff. Oh, my God. <laughs> Who knew? We finished all the questions. Take that, Internet. Yes. <laughs> In your face, Internet. 